Good morning. Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, he has. Let's all stand and we will begin our worship this morning. I'm excited to be here. Are you? Yes, you all look a wide awake and up and like you've had breakfast or something this morning. So we're excited about everybody being here and ready to praise Jesus for what he's done. So let's begin.
for a moment. Nathan, I'm going to call my buddy up here. He's going to read some scripture for us. Is this on? Yes. Okay. Ready? At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the woman came to the tomb, carrying the burial spices they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? Then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news of all this to the eleven and the rest, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them kept telling these things to the apostles, but the apostles didn't believe a word of it, thought they were making it all up. But Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb. He stooped to look in and saw a few grave clothes. That's it. All He walked away, puzzled, shaking his head. Life 
Awesome. Let me pray with everyone. You guys, these guys worked hard this week. I'm so thankful for them. It's awesome to see our youth here. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, we're so grateful for everything that you have done for us. You knew each one of our names in this room while you were on that cross. And Father, I am so grateful that you sent your Son I pray this morning as we worship you, that becomes more and more real deep down in our hearts and how much you love us and you would go to the ends of the earth for us. Jesus, you went all over for us and you conquered death. And I am so grateful. So Lord, I pray that this will be a sweet fragrance to you this morning 
as we honor you. I pray that your spirit comes in and takes over. And Lord Jesus, I pray you'll meet us where we're at. Wherever we're at, Jesus, I know that you understand. You get it. So, Father, we give you the rest of this morning, and we love you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks, you guys. What a blessing. I I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get up and speak after that. God has just blessed us, us with such incredible young people. And isn't it good to be here to worship a risen Savior today? I just want to welcome each and every one of you. It's so good to be here today. If you are here for the very first time or if you're visiting with us, if you would just take a minute and fill out this little connection card with your information, and you can put that in the offering plate in just a few minutes. Thank you for being here to worship with us today. You have a handout with all kinds of good information right there on your seat. Be sure and take that home, and if you forget something that's going on, you'll have it there to look at later on in the week. So that should have all that information on there. Um, In addition to our regular tithes and offerings today, this Easter Sunday, we want to bless our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We're going to take up a special offering today for the people of of Ukraine. Any cash gifts that come in today will go to meet that urgent need. If you want to write a check, make a check out to Woodland, Woodland Life Church and just put Ukraine in the memo line. You can also text to give and choose that Ukraine option. Um, And also, we have a family in the church that have um, offered to meet any any other family that wants to give at least $1,000, up to $1,000. They're going to match that. So that's a little challenge for us today, um, and we thank that family for doing that. And the information on ways to give is right here in this information sheet. Um, So thank you so much for giving to help the people in Ukraine today. Next week is our church board elections. There's a sample ballot hanging on the wall right outside in the foyer there, right beside the office, so you can uh, see pictures of those um, who have offered to uh, be on our church board, and we're going to be electing, members will be electing uh, next week. So thank you so much for doing that. Also, if you know of someone who might use some encouragement today, you'll see there are six or seven Easter lilies up here. If you know of someone who's going through a rough time uh, this Easter season, come up and take one of these lilies at the end of the service and take it to them today and uh, just bless them with this gift from our church today. And thank you so much for doing that. And one last note also is that there will be no youth group tonight to allow um, our youth to be able to spend Easter with their families. 800 years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah anticipated what he would do for us. And before we take our offering today, I just want to read to you from Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, you and me, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, you and me, have turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In that same chapter, Isaiah also anticipates Christ's resurrection. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our ushers are now going to come forward for our morning tithes and offerings and for that special offering for Ukraine I would like to just offer up a prayer uh, for the people of Ukraine and for this special offering today and uh, just thank the Lord for how he has been so generous to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for an opportunity to give today. We thank you, Father, that you are a giving God, and we just thank you for how you have blessed us with so much. And Father, we do lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine today. We pray for them, Lord. We pray, Father, that you will meet their needs. And Father, if you want us to help to meet those needs, Lord, lay that on our hearts today, Father. We want to be generous with those in need. And Lord, we just thank you so much that even now, as we pray for our brothers and sisters there in Ukraine, you are there You are there with them, and you are helping them. And, Lord, we want to especially lift up Joshua Loring, who will be going uh, to a country very near there uh, this week. We pray for his safety. We pray that you'll be with him and help him as he meets needs. And many others, Lord, who are sacrificing, who are there helping them, we pray for them and for their safety, Lord. And help us, Father, to be a generous people today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
oppression was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing, and your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my I'm gonna 
together. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, help us to live out of that hope today. Help us to be that hope to others. We rejoice today in the good news of the gospel. And I pray that would soak down into the very depths of our heart, soak down into every facet of our lives. Thank you for this opportunity to come together with your church. Lord, uh, inhabit the praise of your people. And now, God, give us ears to hear your word. And Father, as we go from this place today, help us to become that word made flesh. May what we hear today, we live out. Help us, Father, to be salt and light in these uh, challenging days in which we live. Thank you again for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you want to, after all that good music, you may just want to stay on your feet. Keep clapping. Good to be together in God's house today. Amen. Uh, This church is privileged to have uh, a bunch of retired pastors and a few that are active. And I think our district superintendent and his wife are here today. He's the pastor of pastors, 64 churches in the Colorado district. Anyway, if you're a pastor or the spouse of a pastor, I'd like you to stand. 
right now. And first of all, I'd like us to just acknowledge you all and uh, thank you for your service through the years. Could we do that? Thanks to each one of you. Now remain standing because I want you all to help me with something. One more time, if I can have my slides back there, am I in control? It's the only time I'm ever in control. There it is. So pastors, lead this with me and the people will be ready to respond. You ready? He is risen. Oh, one more time, pastors. He is risen. Very good. You can be seated. Um, we've been celebrating promises on Sunday morning, and Jesus gave his disciples a great promise on that night that he was betrayed, the night before the cross, the night of his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said to those disciples, now is your time to grieve, but I will see you again. That's awesome, right? And three days later, he did. That's our promise uh, here today. So happy Easter to you. Oh, come on now. Who slipped that picture of my granddaughter in there again? That must have been Kylie back there at the last minute. Anyway, Hey, you know what? It's not just the pastor that ought to be able to show off his granddaughter. If you have a grandson or granddaughter and you want him or her showed off, you send me that uh, picture and I'll get, it up. I'll get it up there one of these Sundays. Saw this on Facebook this week, thought it was pretty good. Um, can you read that? Parents will appreciate that right there. How many uh, had uh, Easter baskets growing up as a kid? Or how many parents give your kids Easter baskets? I think that's, uh, that's good stuff. It made me think of uh, after my parents divorced, my mom, I've told you, I think, married a career army guy. And the first year my mom and stepdad were married, uh, we always got Easter baskets. I don't think my stepdad ever did and he also wasn't the most observant guy in the world. Uh, I can remember the first Easter they were married. Uh, my mom put this giant Easter basket with a big hoop handle on the chair that he sat in in the morning to drink his, his coffee. And he came out and sat on the Easter basket. And the resounding phrase that I heard over the years many times uh, echoed through the house. Dag nabbit, Bill sat right on his Easter basket. All that kind of thing is fun and good, makes for good memories. But of course, uh, Easter and the Holy Week leading up to uh, Easter is all about the pivotal events in the history of the human race, the events on which everything turns, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Christ our Lord. And once again, this Easter, we find ourselves outside an empty tomb. And we have two questions to ask again this Sunday. Is it true? And if it is, what does it mean? I want you to take your Bibles and open uh, those apps to 1 Corinthians 15. I'd like to walk down through the first 20 verses of what we sometimes call the resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll begin at verse 1. 
Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. First of all, who's writing this letter? Someone who hadn't believed it was true. Who hadn't believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. Who hadn't believed that Jesus was the Son of God. That hadn't believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. Who, in fact, actively persecuted those who did. And Saul had been on his way to the city of Damascus to arrest followers of Jesus when he encountered the risen Christ in a blinding vision. In in those days that followed, Jesus saved Saul. And Saul was called to take the good news of Jesus to the world, and that he did. God gave him a new name, and the apostle Paul took off on three missionary journeys, preaching the gospel he once dismissed, planting churches all around the Mediterranean Sea, And we're reading one of the many letters that he wrote to uh, those churches that he planted, the one in Corinth. And people in Corinth and all around that Mediterranean rim had received the gospel, had believed the message, had decided to follow Jesus, had taken their stand with Jesus. And Paul writes, by this gospel, you are saved. Thanks be to God. We need saved, you know. I flash back to a time when I was three or four or five years old, sitting on the uh, rim of an above-ground swimming pool. And my uh, dad and uh, his brothers, my uncles, uh, played this, uh, uh, who can find the penny first? And their, uh, their backs were to the, uh, the water in the pool, and my Aunt Betty or my grandma would throw a penny in the water, and on three, they'd uh, uh, turn around and dive in the water, and first one that came up with a penny won. Well, while I was watching that, I fell into the water. This was long before I knew how to swim. And my Uncle Danny had to pick me up out of that water. He saved me that day. And that's every one of us. We're born into this world needing saved. Saved from what? Sin, death, and hell. And that's good news, that we can be saved from that. Many had been saved as a result of Paul's ministry, including himself. Then at verse 3, for what I received, Paul writes, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. There are those pivotal events in the history of the human race, summarized, summed up, both according to the scriptures. If I take my Bible and go back to the end of what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, I'm reminded that uh, these key events that we have celebrated this Holy Week are a part of a bigger story, the greatest only true story ever told. 1,284 pages in my Bible summarize all that God did, all that God said leading up to the time of Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled everything that God had done and everything that God had said up until that point. It's the gospel story. Here's a three-minute summary. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a beautiful place. And a universe measured in billions of light years. And in that newly created world, he, he made you and me in his image for a noble purpose. And he stood beside us and, and, and waved his arm across this newly created world. And he said, this is yours. Do something good with it. Tap its resources. Be creative. I've made it for you. I've just got a few, a few rules. You've got to trust me and do these things. And, and doggone it, we didn't. We trusted ourselves. We sinned. We went our own way. It was like a, a spiritual earthquake. It shook the very foundations of our lives. And the echoes of that, uh, that sin have rumbled down through history like the aftershocks of that great spiritual earthquake. And what's happening in Ukraine and What's happening on the city streets of our own country? What may be happening in your extended family? Every evil, awful thing that's happened since then is a result of that decision to disregard God. But thank God he didn't leave us dead in our trespasses and sins. From the very moment of that fall, he came in the garden in the cool of the day and he called out and he reached out. And he's been doing that ever since the law and the prophets and the selection of Israel and the exodus and the Passover until the fullness of time, God came himself in the person of Jesus. Cries in that little town of Bethlehem, the word became flesh and lived for a while among us. And he lived and taught and healed and preached and he left us an example, but more than that, he died on the cross for our sins his life for ours, to restore life, to reconcile us to God. Three days later, he was raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father. At this very moment, he's praying for you by name, and he's coming again. That's the gospel. But is it true? We could be here through your Easter dinner if I shared all the reasons there are to believe. I find it harder not to believe at this point in my life, honestly. I've had hundreds of conversations with those who don't believe, and I've yet to find anyone who has, A, thoroughly thought and prayed through this issue, and B, given me any evidence to the contrary that is greater than the evidence for its truth. I have a young atheist friend back home who recommended a book by Sam Harris, uh, one of the top 25 most influential atheists of our time. And he wrote a book called Letter to a Christian Nation in which he attempts to... Uh, kind of tear apart our Christian faith. I read that book, and I got back to my uh, young atheist friend, and he is my friend. Uh, we get along just fine. I've got a bunch of them. And I said, hey, is this the best Sam Harris can do? I could do better than this. Really? Sam Harris has not thought through this whole uh, gospel story. 
evidence, reasons to believe. Here's a few. For starters, just in regard to the resurrection, you have eyewitnesses, those who actually saw Jesus die and then saw Jesus alive again. Back to our text, verse 5. I'm going to learn this clicker one of these days here at Woodland Life Church. You've got to click it really hard. At verse 5. And he appeared to Peter. Jesus appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve, those twelve he called to follow him. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. This letter written about 20 years after Jesus. Then he appeared to James, the half-brother and skeptic of Jesus for a good many years, who became a leader in the church. Then to all the apostles again, and last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. People who saw Jesus after he was raised, who talked to Jesus, who ate with Jesus, eyewitnesses. What do you do with that? And then you have to deal with the fact that 10 of those uh, 12 remaining disciples died martyrs' deaths. For a lie? For something they made up? The late Chuck Colson, that may ring a bell for a few of us, of Watergate fame, uh, wrote once that all the men that were tight with President Nixon and that were a part of that cover-up, eventually when the gig was up, all caved. (laughs) You cannot sustain a lie for very long, especially when it's your own backside at uh, stake. There have been many martyrs since and many others who have faced In fact, who are facing today imprisonment, mistreatment, persecution, even death, willingly, simply because they believe in Jesus. And then you have to deal with the four Gospels. Mark's Gospel, the first written. The young man that fled the garden that night that Jesus was arrested. The young man whose family provided the room where Jesus and his disciples shared that last supper. Matthew, that IRS guy that Jesus called from the streets of Jerusalem to be one of his disciples. Luke, the medical doctor, traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, knew Mary, the mother of Jesus, personally. And then then John, who stood at the very foot of the cross looking up at Jesus dying, entrusted with the care of his mother, who saw him alive after the resurrection. What do you do with those gospel accounts? And then zoom out from the truth of the resurrection to that bigger gospel story. How in the world did this world get here? By accident? That would be like uh, believing that two trucks years ago collided at the intersection of Route 67 and Evergreen Heights uh, Drive, and voila, you had this building. Wow. There's got to be a creator. And what do you do with the hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled? Could the prophetic word we heard Kelly read from Isaiah, spoken 800 years before Christ, be any more accurate in describing the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus? And how do you explain how true these scriptures prove to be 
when you live by them. It works. Do what God said, and it works. And those promises that accompany his instruction that we've been celebrating every Sunday, they will prove themselves to be true. Try not letting the sun go down on your anger and see if that doesn't help your relationships. Try going the extra mile and see if that doesn't make a difference in people's lives and your own. Try tithing your income, giving him the first tenth of what he's allowed you to make and see if he doesn't open the floodgates of blessing and pour them out so that you can't contain them. Instead of being anxious, pray and see if that doesn't help your emotional health. Live the way God asks you to live and you'll find your life to be so much better. Not always easier, but always better. And on the reasons to believe go. Is it dinner time yet? And then there's the uh, evidence of the testimony of millions of people whose lives have been changed, beginning with Paul's. Let's go to verse 11. Paul says, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Hey, we're all a work in progress, Uh, some of us a piece of work, I would testify to that. I don't need to. Kelly will testify to that. But who here today, by standing, would say that you've been changed by the grace of God given you through Jesus Christ? Hmm. Praise be to his name. You can be seated. And Kendra, I saw that hand. I heard Kendra's story a little bit last night, and I want her to share that one of these days. She can't stand today, and that'd be a real bummer. But she has kept the faith through that, and so have many others. Is it true? What we've sung about today, what we've read about, what we are here to celebrate, the evidence is overwhelming. And the church sings and shouts a resounding yes again this Easter all around this world. Yes, it is. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. So what? So what does it mean? What difference does that make? All the difference in the world, my friends. Paul begins to answer that question by asking another, what if it isn't true? Apparently, some in Corinth were saying it wasn't. Go to verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So what if it isn't true? What if God did not raise Jesus from the dead? For starters, what I'm doing right now is a complete waste of your time. You can leave. I was really hoping no one would. (laughs) Your faith, Paul says, is futile. The Greek word matayos, devoid of force, truth, success, result, useless, of no purpose. If this isn't true, then there's no forgiveness of sins. There's no real victory over sin. There's no spiritual life and no forever life when this life ends. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But verse 20, the last of the ones we'll look at. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Praise be to his name. Peter wasn't doing drugs. John wasn't just making something up to make the guys feel better. The women weren't crazy. Thomas did feel the scars in Jesus' hands and side. Paul did hear the voice and see the glory of the risen Christ. Fifty-two years ago, I did experience the love of God when I gave this 10-year-old heart to Jesus. Ask Scott and Kathy Meyer if it's true. Ask Jane or Larry King or Mike Kelly or our drummer or any number of the people around you that stood this morning. It's true. We believe it. But what does it mean? Well, first of all, we don't have to live lives turned in on ourselves. We can love others. We can be about helping others, serving others, making a difference in our world. Later in this resurrection chapter, Paul says that, middle of verse 32, if the dead are not raised, let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. In other words, if this is all there is, then grab all you can while you can and go, go, go. Run after all the things that everybody else is running after. And this is where I would challenge those of us who believe it's true because sometimes we're living that way. This isn't all there is. We've got forever. So let's slow down. Let's keep the important stuff the important stuff. Let's seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all the things that we need, Jesus said, He'll give to us. We've got forever to have fun. Hey, we can have fun here. But we've got forever to have fun. I believe we're going to have forever to be creative, to to do fun things, to explore. I believe what Revelation 21 says, that 
at the end of time, God is going to make everything new, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and a holy city of Jerusalem is going to come down into a newly created earth, and we're going to have mountains and streams and who knows what else. You want to know what heaven's going to be like? Look around at the world that God created in the first place. We've got forever. But we've only got one life here to make a difference, to serve others, to love, to show and tell the gospel, to make sure others are going to join us in that forever place that Jesus is preparing for us right now, to give others the hope that we have and celebrate here this morning. You with me? What does all this mean? I'm going to move beyond this particular text means we have a certain hope. Christ's resurrection is the epicenter of hope, and not just for the life to come, but for this life. Tomorrow doesn't have to be the same as today if today we stunk it up. <laughs> There's hope for change. There's hope that I can be better tomorrow. Easter is not just, now that was Kelly's cue right there, Larry. <laughs> Amen. Easter is not just another holiday in the Christian calendar. Christ's resurrection validates everything that Jesus taught and everything that Jesus said he was. There is forgiveness of sins. There is real change. We can be different. Romans 6, 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What does it mean? It means we shouldn't lose heart. Made me think back to our Abby's cross-country days, our youngest daughter, standout cross-country runner, made states every year she ran. Us parents would run from place to place to try to catch a glimpse of our kids as they ran by. You could tell a runner was struggling or getting tired by the look on their face. Most runners soldiered through and crossed the finish line, but once in a while, the tiredness or the pain caused a runner to quit. Maybe you're there. Easter tells us why we should not lose heart. Amen? What does it mean? Christ's resurrection means that we can have peace in the midst of all the craziness and chaos we experience in this world. We sang that classic Gaither song, Because He Lives, a little livelier than probably what Bill and Gloria used to sing it, but good stuff. Bill and Gloria Gaither. Here's the backstory. Bill was covering from a case of mono. This is 1970. Gloria was expecting their third child, and the country was still in the midst of social unrest. Gloria was battling a lot of anxiety about bringing another child into a crazy world. But that New Year's Eve, God came close to her and assured her that he had this, that the future was secure if she would just trust him. And a peace came over her like she hadn't felt in a long time. After that baby was born, she and Bill looked back on that time and how the Lord helped them and because he lived was written to capture what they had experienced. 
And here's the, the powerful, beautiful message of Easter. That in what was the darkest moment in the history of the human race, that Friday when Jesus breathed his last and the sky became dark and the earth quaked and the disciples thought it was over, turn out the lights, it's the end, all our hopes, all our dreams. It's finished. It was all a lie. In the darkest moment of human history, God was in that very moment saving the world. And if you find yourself in one of those dark moments today, know this, God is working. Maybe some of his best stuff for you right now. Amen? And even if situations don't turn out the way we had hoped, and they all won't in this life. If life here from beginning to end has had more than its share of trouble for you, and I know there are some here today for whom that's true. To quote C.S. Lewis, here it comes, Kendra, fellow Chronicle of Narnia fan. Remember that this life is only the cover and title page to the great story which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Christ's resurrection guarantees that. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he's just the first. We will be too. And I believe that. If you're new here today, they don't pay me to say that. I don't just say that because I'm a pastor, because I've got reverend in front of my name. I believe that. I'm staking my life on it. I've devoted my life to it. Two questions today. Is it true? And if it is, what does it mean? And if it is, believers, let's live in that. Amen? To those who may be here today or watching online who are still wondering if this could all be true, I urge you to consider the evidence. It's overwhelming. You have to work at it not to believe. Made me think of a Old guy that I went to visit years and years ago, his daughter attended our church. He was dying in his last days. Had been a crusty, angry, drinking kind of guy most of his life. Absolutely did not believe in God. And his uh, daughter wanted me to go pay him a visit. And so I remember... uh, seeing him that first day and sharing uh, the gospel with him, kind of finding out uh, who he was and what his story was about. And walked away that day thinking, huh, don't know that that's going to do much good. 
I suspect that he had some Christian nurses that were caring for him in that nursing home. And, and I'll never forget the next time that I came to visit him. I walked in the room and I knew immediately something was different about John. And he couldn't wait to tell me, Reverend, I believe in God now. And I asked John, I said, how did that happen? And I'll never forget what he said. He said to me, I just got to thinking. Reason is on the side of faith. If you're still wondering if it could all be true, open these gospels. Open your heart. Talk to those whose lives have been changed. Think. To those who perhaps have uh, gotten away from your faith, you're not walking with the Lord. You've exited stage right from the church. Look up Larry King on Facebook, not CNN's Larry King. Is he alive? That Larry King right there is, and he has a great post challenging you. To not let the hurts and disappointments and frustrations that perhaps you've experienced with all these works in progress all over the years make you miss Jesus. Perhaps today's the day to come back. To those who are here today or watching online that believe. Skip ahead in this resurrection chapter to the 58th verse. I'll encourage you the way the Apostle Paul encouraged that church almost 2,000 years ago. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? Today, by way of personal testimony, I have never had a greater desire in my life to see people come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior and friend and brother and traveling companion on this road of life that can be difficult at times. And this morning, I've got young folks and folks that I've known through the years and friends from seminary who have drifted who have been more formed and shaped and influenced by the world than they have by the Word, to see them come back. Believers, these are days when we have to stand firm, and we need to stand up, and we need to step forward, and we need to be about the things that matter. Have a little fun. That's okay. Watch a movie once in a while. Take a vacation. Those are all good. I'm hoping to golf one of these days again. But don't put any of those things in front of the great call that we have. Back to calling. We've been talking about that these days. We've been called. We've been summoned to be a part of God's great plan to save this world. And today ought to be a day that inspires us to continue to do that. Or maybe to get back at that. Amen. Oh, my goodness. friend of mine uh, back in Maryland put a little video together years, years ago. Takes a uh, 70s song and a clip from a 70s movie, the Jesus film, which actually is still being shown around the world, and tens of millions are coming to saving faith just because of this, this, this.
presentation of the gospel, but he put this together, and it was a, an Easter tradition back in the church that we pastored for 35 years, and the powers that be have graciously allowed me to use it here today. If it doesn't bless anybody else, it'll bless me, but I want us to see it. And then I've got just one more word to say uh, before we leave. Let's, let's roll that. so sad and your eyes filled with tears think back think back what did he say he said he would die but he'd raise a third day he's higher he's raised up by the father's power higher up from the grave mm-hmm. with the power to save Friends, that happened. That happened. And there's our sending today. Let's not just celebrate the resurrection in the confines of this worship space this morning. Let's go and tell our friends. Let's show and tell the gospel in these days until he comes. Amen?
Let's stand together. I'll leave you with this sending prayer from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. I'd like to linger up front here, would be glad to pray with or talk to anyone who might be seeking him today. And now I think it's dinner time. Enjoy your family, your friends, and uh, God bless you this day. This one.